You're listening to the Lifted Life Podcast. We created the show to help you live a lifted life. Welcome everyone to episode 74. We thought today we would do the spotlight on Miss Lifted. Thank you everyone for the opportunity to have the spotlight. Be In case on. you don't know who that is, that's Sylvia Hall. That be me. Real quick, I am a married woman, mm-hmm. but I don't prefer Mrs. because I don't think that women should have to give away the clue of if they're married or not with their title. With men, it's always Mr. With women, it's Miss or Mrs. And then it gets weird. So I just think all women should be Miss and all men should be Mr. In rant. I wish I knew the difference. I really don't. Yeah, Mrs. M-R-S is a married woman. Or Ms. M-I-S-S used to be a young lady or a woman under 30. And it's just all baloney. What's well, kind of baloney because you need someone to write their name down to, if you can decide if you need to court them or... That's just so weird that the word by a title you would know if someone's married. I think we should keep it ambiguous and no one should know if anyone's married based on do, their title. Do we still court people? I like to use that word. I don't think we do. I had our niece over the weekend give me the rundown of the new lingo. It's not courting. That's for I'm sure. sure they don't use courting. It's not going steady either. <laughs> okay. So let's get serious. Let's get, get serious real. and roll my sleeves up, even though you can't see them. Mm-hmm. They're way back. I thought it would be good to talk about. I think over coffee a few days ago, we were kind of discussing um, things that are going well in our life. I think we like to f- look back over and do a little bit of reflection of our past few days, and weeks, months, weeks, months, years, <laughs> whatever, and focus on the things that we're doing well or going well for us. Because I believe what we focus on, we create. So why not look at the good things you've done and focus on them? And of course, for us, it's pretty easy to focus on our business because it's doing really well. Another quick thing. I think that during that same conversation, we talked about the things that we want. And so often when people list off the things that they want, they fail to include the things they already have. And we were talking about that and it led to a little bit of my story and you were digging deep for some that's true because I think often when we think about what we want, that means we don't have it because we want it. And but that type of thinking yeah. is very problematic. If instead you weave in the things that you have and you want, I want a beautiful family, I want a home that feels comfortable and safe and creative, well, I already have those things. Yes, but wanting them while having them is a most powerful feeling. And then you weave in, I want... Um, a newly built modern house. Oh, mm. well, I don't have that yet, but I like the feeling of wanting it. And you include those things with the things that you do want. And it just raises the vibration of all of the wants the have already the continue to want, because mm-hmm. it's just like, I want to be happily married. I am happily married, but I mm. want that. So mm-hmm. I continue to work towards it. So That's how you keep it by wanting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that when we, got into this next topic we were talking about that and that was a really cool point that i wanted to share with everyone without getting too sappy i think i was telling you that i actually admire you like looking back at your career and how we got where we are today we can look at my career and it was very methodical very slow very like i did this then i did this and i waited 10 years to do this to guarantee that we're gonna have that and like linear what linear yeah it worked for us but looking back on it your approach actually worked a lot better. And and I was just kind of asking you, like, from an outsider looking in, it would be very easy to say, well, she did this and it didn't work. She did this and it didn't work. She did this and it didn't work. And when you explained it to me, I'm like, wow, that's a way different way to look at 
at that process. Well, like you were saying, basically, why didn't you give up? Not that you wanted me to, but like, wouldn't wasn't it hard not to give up? Right. And one of my favorite quotes of yours is, um, "Lifted was an overnight success that took ten, ten years, ten years of, in the making." Like I like to say, ten years of entrepreneurial failure <laughs> has more but, zap. But, but as you describe, I'll let you describe it. But as you describe it to me, it's not failure; it's lessons, or it's what you learned along the way. Well, hearing you call it yeah. my career of like career. Honey, I've never had a career in my life. I honestly don't see it as mm-hmm. such. And even still with our business today growing as rapidly as it is, I don't see it really as a career. I see it as my life. Like I enjoy the things I do with my life. Time freedom has always been the most important thing for me. So creating a life that I don't need to escape from, but instead I love to run towards, whether it's working or playing with the kids or anything in between. So first of all, just to kind of not correct that, but just to say, I've never looked at anything I've done as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, let's see, you said you admire my kind of trajectory and that it was more beneficial, but I honestly don't think we could have created what we had if it wouldn't have been for your steady, linear, methodical way of creating stability for our family. So rather than taking credit away from myself, I truly do believe and just giving it to you, I think that mm. there's truly this beautiful thing that happened when the two of us put our brain power together and combining your ability to implement and finish strong with my ability to create a vision and to have the startup energy for something that you can't even see, you can't even imagine. And yet I imagined it and I shared it with you and you were able to help me make it happen. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was just a beautiful combination of forces more than me just being really good at imagining and you, you know, being so methodical. The combination of those two things are exactly why Lifted is taking off in the way that it is now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So what else was your, and then on your third and final point, I do love to say that Lifted was the overnight success that only took 10 years of entrepreneurial failure but I don't actually see it as such. I just like to use zingers like that. It doesn't hurt mm-hmm. my feelings because I know what really happened, which is I followed the breadcrumb trail of my interests and used my feelings as a compass towards what I wanted more of. And each time I would create a certain level of success in my businesses, had a couple of them before lifted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would feel very strong knowing that certain things were working, but certain things weren't. And it wasn't where I wanted to be. There was a truly a moment in my life, a period in my life when I would lay my head on my pillow and feel a sense of exasperation and frustration because I knew I was made to do something bigger, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And now more than ever, I have a sense of relief and knowing that I've created with your help this amazing movement, this well-being movement that's helping people feel better naturally. And it it is such a, a good feeling, I will say. So maybe we can give the listeners a little bit of background. Do you mind going back to the beginning of your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Yeah, I feel like I was always entrepreneurial. So yeah. my dad had his own business all growing up. That was what I saw him doing. And I did enjoy the component of selling or seeing him sell, making fun of how he sold, thinking about how I would do it differently. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was really ingrained in me. But the first pursuit that I 
went after was a jewelry business. And that was somewhere around, I would say 12 years ago, but I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. Our son just turned 11, right? When I was pregnant, I was getting, we were getting ready to think about having him. I knew for sure a couple of things. One, that I wanted to stay home with him. And two, that I wanted to do something creative and ambitious alongside of being home with him. And so that was when I started to just play with the idea of making jewelry. A little bit before that, I was doing some writing. I don't know if you remember that, but I really did feel like it was my very, very first small business endeavor where I got a couple of articles published in different magazines. That was such a long time ago that even I have a hard time seeing it as a business, but that was entrepreneurial in my mind too. Yeah, I've forgotten that, but yeah. So with the jewelry making, it started really slow. I will never forget the first time I called a boutique and I said, I had the whole thing kind of written out in my mind. It was the most uncomfortable feeling in the whole wide world. I picked up the phone and I said, hi, my name is Sylvia Hall and I'm a jewelry designer living here in Kansas City. And I was wondering if I could come by with my design sometime and show you my pieces to potentially sell on consignment in your shop. And like the whole thing felt like the biggest lie you'd ever heard. Mm. Like I'm a jewelry designer, says who? (laughs) Well, I've been making, playing with, creating, Uh conspiring with different materials until I had created this mini collection. And yet it felt like, I felt like a fraud or a fake or the imposter syndrome that people talk about so Mm -hmm. strongly. I did feel that then. That was 12 years ago or so, maybe 13, because I don't know, 12-ish is a good estimate. So I'm 34 now. I was 22-ish then. We've been married for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, now when people talk about this imposter syndrome, I have a harder time relating because I've been faking it till I make it for so long that it's that that feels natural now to say, of course, I have to believe in me before anyone else will. If I'm not willing to call myself a jewelry designer, no one else will ever look at me as such. And I learned that and I actually did pick up the phone like this day and age. Obviously, we would write a message or something probably, yeah. but that required calling someone on the phone. And so I did that multiple times and I ended up getting my stuff in seven different shops around Kansas city. And Mm -hmm. I love that component of the jewelry business, probably more than making the pieces because I love connecting with people, being a part of the city, seeing my pieces on display. And you sold some on Etsy, right? I actually ended up selling over a thousand items on Etsy. So that was your kind of first dip in e-commerce as well. Yes. The really tricky thing though, not tricky. The thing I knew for sure that I learned from that business is I was doing everything, ordering the materials, making the product, packaging and shipping, delivering, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was pregnant with our second child, so a couple years later, maybe three years later or so, I remember on Etsy, I was clicking renew, renew on my my stamped designs, which were one of the main things that took off. Mm -hmm. And I was so nauseous with morning sickness with olive that i was so scared as i clicked renew because every time i clicked renew which is how you did it on etsy back in the day i don't know if you still do it that way um it would sell another item would sell and then another item would sell and i was just making myself sick because i kept clicking renew because i loved like making the sales Uh but i was like i'm gonna have to do so much work and it was in that kind of moment that i realized well maybe it wasn't in that moment reflecting i see Mm -hmm. now in that moment that i was not a very scalable business. I was very much a self-employed endeavor. That business was. Uh, looking back on that, when when you said 
um, the imposter syndrome, like you fake it till you make it. Wouldn't you believe now just the desire alone is enough? Like if you have the desire to do something, then you're that. Like you don't have to like prove yourself or or make a thousand pieces to say call yourself an artist. For sure. Yeah. The desire. But back then I understand you didn't. But now would you say that now? For sure. And I also yeah. feel like if you want to be a writer, write. And if you yeah. want to be a painter, paint. Uh-huh. If you want to be a programmer, program. Right. We always use those analogies because mm-hmm. they're so they're close fitting. to home. Yeah. That is what makes you such. Not anyone else's deciding so. You know, and as you're describing this jewelry, we're probably going to move on after this, but um, uh, you always call me the linear thinking and like the more like pragmatic, pragmatic blob. Yeah. <laughs> but when you made that jewelry, it was very methodical, very technical. Like you had a center, like the, that was like the hand stamp. You had a center. Horrible for me but though. But you did really good at it Thank though. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that, but I think that was part of the. So, so maybe that wasn't as joyful for you. Maybe that was why it was easy to transition right. to your next. Right. And I think there was there was a lot of people when I said, hey, actually, Sylvia's jewelry is going to be no longer. People were like, no. You know, I love every time someone has a baby, I come to you to do the messaging. and. But, you know, it's funny seeing the parallels now because you had customer complaints then too or customer <laughs> inquiries like, you know, the class didn't class. What do I do? And you say, send it back to me. I'll fix it for you. And like, yeah, there's a lot of parallels too. It reminds me so much of what, what I recently posted on social media and saying that if you don't want to make any waves, if you don't want to upset anybody, if you don't want to do any of those things, don't do anything. then basically don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect way to make sure you don't get any complaints or get anybody mad mm-hmm. at you. And so you're totally right. From the get go in deciding that you're going to create something, you are putting yourself in the public's eye to be scrutinized, to be criticized, mm-hmm. um, and being okay with that. I think that's one of the reasons people say parenthood is a really great self-awakening journey, and so is going into business for yourself because you're just putting yourself in this place of enormous growth. Um, but anyway, when I did transition out of that business, there were people that were saying, no, please don't, or that's, you know, well, I thought it was going well, and the fact yeah. was it was going well, but I had a very strong knowing that it wasn't what I need to keep doing. Mm-hmm. So so do you want to transition to the next one? You want me to guess what the next one was? The next business? <laughs> I have Drum more... roll, please. I don't know if style consulting or life coaching was first. Okay. So I wanted to do coaching, mm-hmm. but I didn't know which coaching training program I wanted to go through, but I was chomping at the bit to work with people, to connect deeply with people, to make an impact in individual lives, not just this kind of mass send out of product and make an impact, but truly feeling connected to people. I had been staying home with the kids, making jewelry and staying home with children is one of the most deeply rewarding and deeply lonely things I've ever done as an extrovert. So I was ready to connect more deeply with people. The kids were a little older. I felt more comfortable leaving them for stretches of time. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to coach, but instead I did something that I felt didn't require quite as much training. It just tapped into something I've always loved doing. So I called it personal styling, but really what was happening is I was talking to people about their confidence. Do you you feel confident in yourself? Do you feel confident in the way you dress and the way you express yourself? And I use clothing as kind of a, what's the word? Like a vessel, but really it Mm. wasn't about the clothes at all. So first I did the styling. It was the same exact thing. It's facade, right? Well, 
Yeah. In, yeah. in a mask, right? Like yeah. one of our other episodes. It was the same thing, though. I had to fake it until I made it. And it didn't feel so weird. I just asked a couple of friends, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. We'll do like a closet edit. We'll remix some outfits. We'll play around with your personal style. You'll identify a couple of, of feeling words, kind of, that mm. how you want your style to be. And once I had done that a few, a handful of times for friends for free, I used their testimonials, created a website showcasing those testimonials, and then began to charge for it. That's my number one piece of advice for anyone looking to create a business is to create results for someone, mm. to utilize those testimonials and reviews, and to continue to grow off of that. And I, I would assume getting those results also fuels you a little bit too. Absolutely. It fuels everyone. Reinvigorates why you're actually doing this. Yeah. And if you can't get results for someone, then find another business. Try again with another strategy because that's what people are paying for in any business. Mm -hmm. You're solving a problem. Yep. And I, I've always known that just intuitively. So once I did that for a while, I, I was in the background doing some research, trying to find out which coaching school I wanted to go through. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found the life coaching school the life coach school with Brooke Castillo. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in a parking lot with you. I think we were at some shopping center, maybe going to dinner or a movie or something. And I said, Hey, look, I'm wanting to go through this coach training program. At this point, I saw very clearly what it looked like to outsiders that I was very fickle and just changed my mind a lot. Mm -hmm. But each time that I would change my mind, it was with a very strong knowing that it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And so I didn't really see each attempt as a failure so much as a stepping stone and moving in the direction of what I felt called to do. And so I said, hey, this program, it's like three grand. That feels like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I recall you being very supportive and said, hey, I think you should do it. Sounds cool. Sounds like you can learn a lot. And uh, from there, you know, kind of during this time, it's important to note that the jewelry business, it was paying for itself with a lot of things. Um, I reinvested a lot of the profits, but I would also then go out and I'd like to buy your gifts from mm -hmm. that money. If you're a stay at home mom, then this area of, I recall Christmas time ramping yeah. up and like covering Christmas or yeah. a big chunk of it. Yeah. But I, I just think that this is a topic I haven't really gotten into too much with each episode. We've almost dabbled in it. You've said before, you're not just a stay at home mom or stay at home mm -hmm. parent. You are, that's a really huge, important role that, mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I don't even have enough time in the day to discuss that dynamic of what it feels like to put your ambitions for maybe a career, but maybe business growth or whatever it requires on hold temporarily. Mm -hmm. Like I said, for me, the jewelry was perfect because I didn't have to leave home too much and I didn't have to find a sitter too much. And I was able to be with the kids. Um, and then as they got a little older and I felt more comfortable leaving them more, I, I pursued a different type of business. And so there's this theory that it's the greatest privilege to get to stay home with your kids. And I totally agree. And then there's also the theory that it's a total privilege to have someone who encourages you to pursue your career like I did for you so that you could move that forward mm -hmm. while I took care of things at home. And I think that they're both completely accurate. Mm-hmm that um but to not make a solid income and to contribute so greatly everything you have to the children it really can create this unique dynamic so that's why when i say oh i have this three thousand dollar endeavor mm -hmm. you know that can be kind of a tricky place i wasn't bringing in income from the jewelry business but i had wholly and completely dedicated my life to our family and so this idea of 
money between um, partners when you're raising a family is so fascinating. And I think we could go into it. Yeah. And to, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And to add to that, being from my own experience, not being the, the primary caretaker of our children during the day, um, doing that at a later time in my life, realizing that was very difficult. And to even look back and say you did both is pretty admirable. Like, I don't think any, I know a lot of people couldn't do that. I know I personally couldn't do that. I mean, I couldn't have took, done both. There's no way. Well, I felt like for me, there was no option because I needed, my soul craved, my brain craved the mm. complexity of thought that a business and running a business required. Mm -hmm. And yet my heart, like it, there's parents who say, I, I just don't know how you stay home. I just couldn't do it. And I said, well, that's good for you to recognize that and yeah, to but, go to work. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't take them anywhere. I felt like I needed to be home with them. But looking back, it's very clear you were in total alignment. Right. That's why, because yeah. it hurt to keep it in. Like you had it to uh, exercise it or do something. Yeah. And to not was actually more painful. So yeah. you found a way to do both. Like it's very clear looking back, but at the time, maybe it wasn't so clear. And one thing I think that we learned that is the biggest takeaway, if you happen to still be in the situation where one of you is staying home and one of you is earning the money for the family... I think that what we learned that was so important was to show appreciation for the other person. Mm. So when I felt appreciated, then I would and continue to do above and beyond mm -hmm. because it feels so good. Like mm -hmm. this is needed and, and I'm valued and, and I'm appreciated. And I think you felt the same way when I would express appreciation to you. It was like, oh, they need me. I feel so valued. That's the crazy thing about appreciation is I, I feel... Truly, deep down, it's a selfish act because you feel so good when you appreciate something. Yeah. But it's a dual thing because it feels good to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. So that that action is, to me, the most powerful action because it, it helps both parties. Yeah, I agree. But I think we came work. to that aha mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, if we just continually appreciate each other, there's no such thing as too much. Like, we're, we're so busy that if you think to say or speak appreciation that you're feeling then it's never too much. It just keeps being just, oh, thank you. We all want to be reaffirmed in our mm -hmm. efforts. And so I think when we had this sudden aha moment, I realized how many other couples across the world would benefit from this idea of mutual appreciation being expressed on the regular. Mm -hmm. um, so I really got a little bit off there, but I just wanted to share that when I went through life coach training, I feel like that was pivotal it was uncomfortable to say, I'm going to spend $3,000. You know, I'd already finished my college degree. This was before we had kids. Mm -hmm. Didn't really ever totally and utterly put that to use exactly. Don't have any regrets really, but I had already changed my business a couple of times. Like you saw me being really interested in writing. I pivoted to jewelry. Now I'm pivoting to styling. Then I'm pivoting to life coaching. Oh, hey, and it's going to be three grand. By the way, that program's gone up like a ton. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how much more it is, but... That was a bargain, bargain of the century. <laughs> but it felt very uncomfortable to say, hey, you know, I've pivoted a ton, but this is the next move. But the reason I talk about it, it was so important because for the first time in my life, I understood how my mind worked. And I understood how my feelings were driving my actions. It wasn't just some arbitrary thing outside of me that was creating how I felt. It was my mind. And sometimes it was easier and sometimes it was harder to manage my mind. But regardless, it's a priority to manage my mind. And... Of course, I think it goes without saying, I have no regrets that the path led me to there because 
so much of what I've created has been based on learning how to manage and hone the power of the mind. So I have a question about that. Yes. What if is it possible for you to remember what drew you towards that? What made you want to take that class and what made you want to spend $3,000 on that class? Well, before I had even fully decided, I had been following her work for okay. a while. And you don't Reading know where her you blogs. found her? No, no, I can't remember. I actually even remember reaching out to Brooke directly and saying, I really want to go through the course. I'm just not quite there yet. This is a big ask, but I'm going for it. What three or five books would you recommend I read? Just, I mean, here I was, a stay-at-home mom that wasn't mm-hmm. really contributing financially. I wasn't ready to invest in myself. Do you remember those books? Uh, one of them was the Success Habits by Dr. Jack Canfield. One was Loving What Is. I imagine one of them had to be Steve Chandler, one of his books, mm-hmm. because that I'm pretty sure she's who led me to him. Um, those three for sure. I'll have to look it up. See, if I don't really delete emails, <laughs> so I could go back and maybe find those books that she recommended. Um, yes. Because the story is building up to Lifted. I mean, Lifted is the next business. Yeah. But hearing you tell the story in this way, I'm like, this is like the building blocks to what Lifted is today. Yeah. Like, the product-based business. But uh-huh. wait, maybe we shouldn't make it. <laughs> And then right. like then e-commerce, and then to me the coaching has been the biggest benefit for both of us. Like mm-hmm. that's been the best investment mm-hmm. that we've probably ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's of course started with you, but then it kind of flowed into me because you were sharing stuff with me and was very were, very resistant. You were to so for resistant. a long time, <laughs> but to me, I think that definitely is the biggest transition in our life. Is probably that investment. I remember when I was going through the coach training. Um, my instructor was Chris Plackey. So I didn't actually have Brooke Castillo. Mm-hmm. It was, a, by the way, it wasn't in person. It was still when she offered online, which I don't believe she offers anymore. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying, I needed to do something for the kids because I had to. And she's like, you don't have to. I'm like, I I was so mad. <laughs> I felt my cheeks get so hot. And I like, now it's funny and laughable because I know. But then I didn't know. I was such a prisoner of my own mind and my mm-hmm. own thought. I have to. No, they're, they're old enough. They could open up the, the pantry and they could crawl and they would dig their hands in those yeah. ch- Cheerios or Kicks or whatever the heck. I don't mm-hmm. know what was on the bottom shelf, right? Mm-hmm. They could get they could get some food. They could You could get them food. They could... There's so many ways mm-hmm. that they could eat that didn't require me to make a meal. I could set food on the floor from the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, But I said, I have to do this. And that's when I started to understand that have to do is truly something I created. So that was a really huge turning point for me was understanding that. And I did begin to build a coaching practice. And sure enough, just when I started to get momentum, just when I started to get some serious um, inquiries online, as far as being easily searched for Life Coach Kansas City, I think you'll still find Sylvia Hall if you type Life Coach Kansas City. But I was loving getting results for my clients but I remember being so scared when we started to coach each other. And then it was this amazing reassurance that said, you don't have to know what their problems are in order to help them like beforehand. Cause we were like, mm-hmm. how do you just jump into a call? Do you have them send you all their problems first? And it was this amazing realization that to help people, all you had to do is listen to them because they're going to show you how they think the stories they tell you, it's going to reveal their thinking. And that's, always 
where we start is how their thinking is adding to the problem and not helping them in solving their problems or in help solving whatever it is they're going through. So that was a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I continued to struggle with the idea though, that if you are highly anxious or highly depressed, just sit down and manage your mind all day. I felt like it kind of ignored the fact that we had a physical body. It felt like it was very heady, which I've always been. So that's why I, I ran straight towards it. But I'm kind of getting to the idea of of the connection of the gut brain realization that I had that there were times when it was really easy for me to manage my mind. And then there's been times in my life that it's really difficult or much more difficult. And I decided that by giving some attention to the physical body, our gut health, our digestion, going to the bathroom regularly to eliminate our body of the heaviness and the toxins that we absorb, all of that led to an easier job of coaching and managing my mind. And so, like I said, I was starting to get some traction with the coaching, but it still felt kind of stifling because I was realizing that the more I worked, the more money I could make. And yet here I was still stuck in this self-employed model Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way. I did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that was a game changer because of his quadrant that shows most people stay over here in the self-employed or employee, um, side of the quadrant and I had never crossed over to the business owner slash investor side of the quadrant. And so that was when I realized I want to get on that side. (laughs) And so kind of coming up with all that, that's when it started to lead me towards this idea of maybe a business, maybe a product-based business. Again, obviously I'm not going to make the product. We find a manufacturer and the real big kicker was for the first time in all of these endeavors, I needed you on board with me. (laughs) So that's how we got to lift it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I mean, there there was a time where I was talking to you about it and I was like, just think about if I could get your detail-oriented mind in on mm. my big picture thinking. Like, it would be so huge. And I would say there was the investment buy-in right away. I was like, hey, it's going to cost some money up front. We're going to mm. have to buy 750 bottles. Yeah, that's <laughs> one thing I, I want to kind of clear up. The way you're saying it is like you were – convincing you you were commit not that like it, it makes it feel like you were at like trying to ask for money it, it doesn't work that well, that's like why that, I ta- it doesn't work like th- that way with us i understand um that's kind of how you have to explain it but it's more like a d- discussion well we've like, always had a, yeah. our policy was we've shared in a business we've shared a family account since we got married yeah and our policy has kind of always been if you're spending over fifty a hundred dollars that was like when we first got married it was like 50 right because we didn't have as much money like if you're spending over like a big amount of money maybe we should talk about it and that communication has been huge for us we've Mm. never really understood how people don't put their money together but Mm. we know everyone's different some people have spending issues neither of us really did and so putting our money together felt really smart and um there was a cohesion to it and so it was like, okay, if we spend over 50, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, then it was like, things got a little, we're sailing now. <laughs> you know, you could probably spend 75 without talking about it. But when you get to 100, you'll probably want to talk about it. And then, so of course, a $3,000 investment, like was with the coaching, those, yeah. was one of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, starting lift, it was another one of those things. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that um, I was just going to be like, oh, by the way, yeah. I bought 750 bottles of inventory for a business idea I have. I needed your buy-in, not just mentally, but the emotional support of it. And then beyond that, knowing that um, I wanted as much as possible for you to be into it. But that took some time. Yeah, I think 
we talked about it in the in my spotlight, but I think the turning point for me is when you explained how it was a well-being movement. Like for me, that was like, okay, I'm on board with this. Like when it was a product-based business, for me, it was a little bit hard to get on board with because I was just thinking, I don't really have anything to do with this. I don't know. And then as we start breaking it down and seeing how it's helping people, see how it's about more than just the products, that's when I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. And looking back, as you tell the story, all the stuff that you did in your previous um, work is coming to life here. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was telling you I, the other day that I realized that that's what differentiates our business from other people is, yes, we sell products, but we also sell this well-being with it. Mm-hmm. And like you can get that through our podcast or through other material that we have. So well, yeah, before I was doing this, it was coaching and my yeah. hourly fee. I actually didn't even do an hourly. It was like a package rate of $1,500 for a set amount of coaching mm-hmm. sessions. And, you know, at the end of the sessions, what kind of result did you want to get? Clarify that now. How would you know this was a massive success of an investment? But, but oh. our customers are, are, <laughs> are getting that benefit from our social media, from talking to us, listening to our podcast buying our products like that's what differentiates us from other products in my other brands in my opinion yeah and that's why i love the hashtag hashtag more than just a probiotic (laughs) uh something that i really love that's really cool and i'm just kind of like we've said when there was a bigger investment we discussed it i was mostly a stay-at-home mom who became a stay-at-home boss mom who was working to grow a business you were always incredibly supportive you didn't always see it in fact you have to admit in some way you were thinking, okay, this could amount to nothing, but at least she's happy and a happy mom and happy wife is a happy life. I mean, this is nothing to do with decision-making, but think about my friends, like, like how's Sylvia's jewelry business going? I'm like, what? That was two years ago. She's doing this. And then I would show up and like, well, how's this going? How's the coaching business? Oh, it's not coaching. We're selling probiotics now. Like what? What? We're selling probiotics. So like from an outside point of view, we move fast. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> yeah. Right. From an outside point of view. But I think it's also kind of fun to just stop for a minute and say, I was a stay-at-home mom with a dream. Yep. You were the primary breadwinner. The primary, people hate that word. I don't eat Income anyway. generator. You had a great job as an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I followed the breadcrumbs, followed the intuitive nudges, followed the feeling and created something that has truly made our wildest dreams come true. True. When we first started dating, you would travel from Mexico, Missouri, mm-hmm. back to our hometown, which was like an hour away. And mm-hmm. then you'd have to leave the next morning, and I wouldn't see you for a few days. And I just remember thinking, I just want more time with you. Mm-hmm. So then when I moved to Columbia to go to college, and we were able to be together every day, I remember that feeling it was this level up of, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We finally have time together because we can talk about all these things because we always have so much to talk about Mm -hmm. and then there was still just this feeling for the past two and a half years of growing lifted of you having to go to work we would talk about business on the weekends or over lunch and then you'd have to go to work and that feeling of you going back to work was the same feeling of you having to drive back to mexico when we just wanted more time together and so this feeling of saying yeah i was a stay-at-home mom and now my husband could quit his job because of this business because of this movement that we're creating that the world so desperately needs that I needed. Mm -hmm. And I created that solution for myself and just knowing that creating results for people, solving their problems will 
help create a positive effect in the world and knowing that it's created a positive effect for us first and foremost you taking our kids to school you being able to pick them up after school Mm -hmm. but also that ripple effect of how our products help our customers it's just this amazing feeling of accomplishment and i just i do my best not to normalize it in a way that i don't appreciate it so deeply because it really is one of the best feelings in the world that i can think of that i've experienced yeah, and I truly appreciate you being tapped in, having those nudges, f- feeling them, following them, acting on them. Like that's changed my life tr- dramatically, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, of course. Okay, so I thought today, before we wrap up, I was going to do it in the middle, but we just got really deep really fast. Took off. Yeah, so I wanted to share today's product spotlight are my favorite two things that I take. Now, I don't think these are the best two products. They're just the best two products for me based on my individual needs. And those two products are Bifidus Mood Boost, the probiotic that's histamine-free with prebiotic GOS, and Redoxy 1,000 milligrams. So when we first came out with Mood Boosting Probiotic, I took it, but later found from a handful of customers that certain individuals do better with bifidobacterium only and leaving out the lactobacillus. And so we did create that formula. And when I started taking that one, I realized I think I'm one of those people. (laughs) I actually, I told Timmy, I said, I don't know if this is a huge amount of people that need this, but I feel like there's enough people that need this that aren't getting it. So we need to create this. And so we've actually become known as histamine-free probiotic line. Uh, even though that wasn't our intention, it was just us listening to customers and saying, Hey, there's a need for this. Let's fill a need in the market. So that is the probiotic I take. And then I have been experimenting with Redoxy. First, I started with the 300 milligrams, just like I recommend our customers do. And then once I felt my body was used to that, I bumped it up to 1000s. And now I'm taking a pretty hefty dose and I haven't really talked too much about it, but I'm experimenting with um, using it for my migraines because I've struggled with migraines for a lot of my life. That's kind of been an ebb and flow thing based on some hormonal cycles, which I've talked about before, but I'm pretty excited about the progress that I've had with that. I still want to kind of give it a little more time because instead of just running out and saying, it helps with this, it helps with that, I like to be very sure about what it Mm -hmm. truly helps with, but I do know it. I believe it is an excellent mood, energy, and immune booster. So those are my two products of choice, and that is what today's podcast is sponsored by. You can find those over in our shop or on Amazon. Any questions? Any follow-up information? Well, we only covered the first question I had, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of content out of it. Uh, um, I told you that I, I tell stories. <laughs> no, I think it was good. I think it was good to let people see kind of behind the scenes of how we got up to Lifted. And for me, hearing the story again, it's just so cool to see like all the years of all the different things, how it manifested into lifted like i don't know it's just really cool i can tell you mean that because you're really smiling too (laughs) (laughs) yeah it feels really good i'm i'm so excited about what we've created and what we will continue to create and so it keeps reminding me of um i I don't remember the exact quote from abraham hicks but basically um whatever vibration you're in when you have the desire was the vibration to create the desire or at least see it and you have to change to get to the end. Mm-hmm. You have to raise your vibration to to actually receive what you want and manifest. Mm-hmm. And that's 
to me, this is exactly it. This is how you knew there was something at the end, but you had to change to get it. And you knew what you wanted and you knew where you were currently wasn't the right vibration. You had to raise it. And over time you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye.